Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the host of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. What's up? What's up, everybody? It is Wide Men Can't Jump Wednesday. Did you miss me? Did you? I'm just wondering if you missed me. That's right. I'm back from vacation. Tim Dombrova, thank you, sir, for filling in for me while I was gone out of the country Really appreciate it, and really thankful that you were able to step in for me. And my co-host, who's got a little bit of a noise on his end, uh, I think you got a fan or something there, TR, that's making a little noise. But uh, my co-host, Mr. TR, Tom Robinson, in the house. What's up, TR? Yowza, yowza, yowza. Another uh, <clears throat> correct prediction on game five. I can't be. Yeah, I got that one wrong. Well, uh, did you put that it was wrong slash Nate, or did you put it up as wide men can't jump? Because there's a big difference. Well, I said it was that you took the Celtics, and I put that I went with the Cavs. So I'm wrong. You were right. Got to make sure the fan base doesn't think I'm putting out both sides. No, 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 not at all. It's that was me, and you were right. I was wrong. That's the only one I've Thank missed you, so far, though. I just wanted to hear that. Um, is that sound quality better? <laughs> yes, much better. Um, but, TR, it's been, we are at episode 29. Can you believe we've been doing this this long? 29 episodes already. And showing no signs of slowing, stopping, or anything, as we have the best group of listeners, the best group of sponsors that we could ask for. And, hey, tell your friends. Like, subscribe, listen in to the shows. we got multiple shows going on on this here network. we got the Tim and Tom show that happens every week. We've got uh, Wide Men Can't Score that happens every week, the Sunday Night Roundtable. You don't know what you're going to miss here. We talk about anything and everything, but this is what started it all. Wide Men Can't Jump, and this is episode 29. So, TR, we've made it this far. Let's just keep going. We're getting close, buddy. Uh, Start of a... Started the 2018-2019 season, makes a year. Yeah. uh, We've had a lot of guests. We've had a lot of uh, accurate discussion. May have been a little off here and there, but our record stands for itself. Yeah, you can go back and check any any episode you want, any archive, because we're everywhere. And uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and – we put our money where our mouth is. Most of the things we have well, said have came to fruition. Well, you say anywhere, and speaking of being anywhere, let's take a quick listen to this. Have you been injured on the job, facing divorce, experiencing workplace discrimination? You can rely on a compassionate, thorough representation at New Law Office. That's right. The practicing law of Stephen P. New 
He has practice areas of personal injuries, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, and employment discrimination. Mr. New is a proud sponsor of Wide Men Can't Jump, is a big basketball fan, and also pro wrestling fan in the West Virginia area. Stephen P. New will fight for you and will represent you whether it be locally or nationally. Get your free consultation today by dialing 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com today. Again, that's 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com today. A big thank you to Stephen P. New, our sponsor. I promise we're going to get him on the show one night. It's just a matter of time. But we yeah, we got to get a hold of Stephen P. He's a busy man. But uh, speaking of busy men, we've been busy watching NBA playoff action. And, TR, we're going to dive into a lot of subjects tonight. We're talking NBA playoffs. We're talking a little bit of the draft lottery. We're talking, you know, who do we think is going to go uh, where. We're not going to make full-on predictions yet. We may wait till next week before we do that. However, however, we want to uh, maybe have a little preview tonight as we have a uh, contributor for the Atlanta Hawks jumping on with us, and we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. But let's go ahead and talk about it. Game five, Cavs-Celtics. Celtics win with a final score of, let me find it. I had it right here, 96-83 to 83 to take a 3-2 series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, heading back to Cleveland for Game 6. LeBron and boys' backs are against the wall. What do you think? I think uh, I I haven't wavered since the beginning of the the series. This is a home series. Um, LeBron and the – I hate to repeat, I said this off-air to you today, but it's it's actually accurate, the national media. Role players play better at home. They do not play well on the road. And game six, I believe Cleveland will take, and everybody will be back on the Cavs bandwagon. And then game seven, first time in how many years, in my opinion, that LeBron James will fall to the Boston Celtics in game seven at PD, PD Bank Arena Garden, whatever the hell it's called. Well, to me, if, he does, if he does lose – and not make it to the finals. That ends a stretch of, I believe, seven straight years he's been to the NBA Finals, which that's pretty miraculous in itself, but he's only won, what, three rings? So, 0-4, yeah. 0-5, or maybe it's eight straight years he's been to the finals. It's some some number like that. It's I think he's been seven straight, and he's been eight times, and he's won three. So, it's it's great to get there, but you got to win some, too. So... But uh, I'm looking at the stats for tonight. I got to watch most of the game. Uh, J.R. Smith, my God. Somebody called that man a doctor. He was not playing well tonight. One of six shooting from the field. He made no three-pointers. The Cavs just did not play up to snuff tonight. Larry Nance had two points, uh, and he played. You know, he had 16 minutes. George Hill did not look like George Hill from game four. He played 30 minutes, had seven points. Only two guys in double figures for the Cavs. LeBron James had 26 points, 10 rebounds. Kevin Love had 14 points, seven rebounds. Love went 16 of 13 from the floor. LeBron, 11 of 22. LeBron only went one of six from three-point, and Love finished at minus 23. 
LeBron minus 11 in the plus minus. Um, the defense was not there for the Cavs tonight. Um, it was brought up on commentary. LeBron looked exhausted, and he did. He looked tired. For the first time, I think I've ever seen that human being look tired. He really looked exhausted tonight because he had little to no help. Jeff Green, eight points. Jordan Clarkson, eight points. Kyle Korver, seven points. Korver shot two of five from three. Clarkson, two of seven from three. Love, two of seven from three. You know, 0 of 4 for J.R. Smith. Thompson, Tristan Thompson, 0 of 1. Jeff Green, 1 of 2. Just a rough night shooting. Rodney Hood, 1 of 2. And and Rodney Hood's been a guy who's disappointed me since he went to Cleveland. I thought his uh, spot-up shooting ability would be a lot better suited for the Cavs. It just hasn't been. And George Hill finishes at minus 21. J.R. Smith, minus 19. So, the plus-minus was not good for the Cavs tonight. And... Now they got now they got their backs against the wall and they're heading into game six and they've had their backs against the wall in the playoffs before. But this Celtics team, if they can find a way to pull it off in Cleveland, now they've got two shots at it. They've got one on the road, one at home. Um, you think they want to get it done in six because you don't want to bet against LeBron in seven, but you've been right so far. The home teams have been looking very good this series, and that home court advantage could end up being very important in this series. With these two particular teams, it's it's eerily similar to the uh, Seattle Seahawks in football. It's um, <clears throat> they just seem to to rise to the occasion when they're at home, and it doesn't even look like the same teams. Um, the visitors, they they just you know Brad Stevens makes the same kind of adjustments, but you know, they just seem to miss assignments, throw balls away. Yet at home, pick and rolls, perfect, perfect bounce pass. Yeah. You know, just li- little things. Uh, and, you know, the Kyle Corvers of the world, who I was laughing with the off-air earlier, I don't know who he thought he was last game in Cleveland, but he's jumping up, blocking shots. He's, like, got, you know, a 90-foot ver- vertical leap, playing like uh, the Kemi Matumbo along with shooting and, and quickly <laughs> getting Sean off screens Brandley and stuff. Yeah, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he goes on the road and boom. But I, I would I would like to highlight that they were done from the, from the beginning. Um, it was dominant by the Celtics. However, they did have a little window of opportunity. It was all due to Larry Nance, although he only had, what you say, two points. <clears throat> he, uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe when he came points. back from – from the verbal taunting of uh, Morris and shoved him, and he's a relatively young player, but uh, that sparked his team. Uh, it ended up Corver with a T, Corver with a three. Um, he assisted on a three, grabbed the board on the other end, and they made a little run of about I don't know nine zero something like that because they were yeah, way it was down, nine, down about seven. They had a nine zero run, and they had a nine zero run, and they brought it back and got it within um, I believe it was eight. So they were down nineteen. And they brought it back to to eight or something like that. And the um, I don't know. They they really made a good run there in the second quarter. But you know, just as you said, you know, Nant. And, and let's talk about that incident with Morris. Morris has been talking a lot of trash uh, this series. Yep. And you need a guy like you need a guy like that to to talk a lot of trash. Sure. And Morris tonight finished in plus fourteen because Morris has the unenviable task of guarding LeBron. Now here's the thing with Morris in Cleveland. Morris has been abysmal. Oh, my God. I watched him play the other night in game four, and it was hard to watch watching Morris try to to do anything. 
and I believe in Cleveland he finished he finished minus nine in Cleveland, um, ten points, and just did not play that well. Defensive efficiency was not good that night, but you know when you're guarding LeBron and that's hard to do. And and one thing that that Boston has done, and they did it well tonight, is um, in game games three and four they had a lot of issues with Cleveland. When LeBron has the ball, they're putting Morris on him. They're taking a high pick and roll, and they're using a guard to do the pick. Uh, they're using, like, George Hill or one of the point guards to do the pick, and they're switching LeBron onto Terry Rozier. And Rozier cannot guard LeBron. <laughs> he can't do it. He's such a firecracker, and he's a good ball player, but he's he just looks lost trying to guard LeBron. And Don't get me wrong. Guarding LeBron's hard. Like, your best defenders in the league are going to have trouble guarding LeBron. But Terry Rozier is just mismatched because the first thing LeBron does is post him up and just start backing him down, and there's nothing he can do. And then LeBron draws a double team, kick, kick, boom, three-pointer. And the Cavs did not were not able to do that tonight. I believe they stuck more with smart guarding LeBron, which is the smart, pun intended here, the smart thing to do because Marcus yep. Smart can – step up and get in LeBron's grill and guard him better than a Rozier or anybody else on that Celtics team can guard him. And I think using smart on the pick and roll, because that's what they're going to do is uh, throw a pick smarts, the guy that's got to switch off and guard LeBron because he's the only one, he's the only guard that's been effective against him. And he still has smart stud. Smart stud. He, uh, he's one of those guys. Um, third-hand quote, I don't know if you caught it because you might have been prepping for the show, but Van Gundy quoted Jalen Brown. There's so many Jalens, I always call him Jalen Rose, but uh, Jalen Brown <laughs> had a great quote that was recycled over the airwaves about Marcus Smart, and they said he was, uh, Brown said about him when asked, Marcus Smart was born with his, hand, with his hands dirty. And that's a great that's a great quote about a guy like smart, you know, he just dives on the floor again and, and throws that pick and every fight he gets in there and instigates, but doesn't go over the line and doesn't throw no punches, but you'll see it every altercation. His, his goofy head is right up in there and he gets in other people's head. He rattles them. You know, he was only shooting 20% from uh three point ranges at one point uh, this evening in the series. He don't care. He pulled up and switched one. You know what I mean? It doesn't bother yeah. him. He, he's 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 great. You're talking about a guy. And, uh, you're talking about a guy that's going to do stuff that doesn't fill the stat sheet. And you're talking wow. about a guy who, like Brad Stevens, wants his whole team to have that mentality. Anybody would want their team to have that mentality because you're seeing guys dive on the floor, go after loose balls, uh, step up and play that defense and do things. You know. He, you see him trying to box out on the post. Marcus Smart might be the second smallest guy on the court, but he's going to box out anybody he can. And that just he's just a bulldog, and that's what he does. And, I, you know, we've sang his praises on here before, and we've said, you know, how we would love to have our teams both have a player like that. And Marcus yeah. Smart has really been great this series, and he's been great the whole playoffs. And I think he's the reason why the, the Celtics have done as well as they have. You know, he may not put up all the points and assists, and he may shoot a bad percentage, but at the end of the day, he's doing those things that nobody's talking about. He's basically, you know, Dennis Rodman was to the Bulls what Marcus Smart is to 
this Celtics team, and then he'll do anything. Rodman didn't care. Rodman would use his body as a weapon, and that's what Smart's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's brill- it's brilliant to watch. Yeah, I love him, man. I wish he was here. I, I'd love to have him and uh, my boy T.J. McConnell on the bench and coming in for quality minutes and, and just settling everything down and getting us back together. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know his contract situation and what Boston's going to do in the offseason, but they'd be foolish to give him to a contender, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Boston's going to end up making moves because you see Terry Rozier. He's playing for a starting job somewhere. But just think, T.R., Hypothetically here, let's let's play a little bit of this hypothetical. Let's say next year, Boston, they get back Kyrie, they get back Gordon Hayward, they keep this squad together. Everybody they've got right now, they keep them. They, they find a way. Maybe guys got to take a pay cut. Maybe they get to the finals, they taste the finals, and they get beat by Houston or Golden State or whoever comes out of that series. Uh, we both think Golden State will, but that's you know that's we'll talk about that later. What if they're able to keep this squad together and these guys have this experience, and now you're getting a proven guy like Kyrie Irving is back, and then you get a guy like Gordon Hayward to come back, both guys who have big game experience, and man, the team's gonna be the team's gonna be tough if they get them both back. Keep keep that team intact and healthy. They beat the Warriors next year. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to take a second here. We've been talking about this game, but we right now are joined on the phone by uh, KL. And, KL, you're going to have to help me out here on your last name, buddy. I really can't. I can't. Uh, I don't want to butcher it. It's Schnard. Schnard. Okay. Writer for the Atlanta Hawks and contributor for Fox Sports. The, for the Atlanta, for the Hawks. And we're going to talk here a little bit about the NBA draft. Kale, thanks for jumping on with us, man. I didn't want to butcher your last name because I know it would have just came out awfully. Uh, thanks for giving us some time. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem, not a problem. So the Atlanta Hawks landed the number three pick in the draft this year. Um, right now, you, you really can't guess what they're going to do, but the Hawks had uh, John Collins, who they played for them this year, and Dennis Schroeder seems to be the piece that they're wanting to build with and move forward with. Uh, what do you think the Hawks will be looking for in the offseason, be it free agency, and then, of course, in the draft? Do they have a certain player or players that they have circled on their big board? I mean, I think their situation is such that they're just going to take the best player available. I don't think that they're necessarily looking at their roster and saying, well, we've got this and we've got that and we've got a hole here. I mean, it's kind of a full rebuild. It sounds like they're going to be very patient, especially when they introduced uh, their new head coach, Lloyd Pierce, last week. You know, some of the language and the rhetoric that you were hearing there made it sound like they want to take the time and be patient and make this a building process rather than a, uh, a quick retooling. So I think they're really just going to try to find the best player available, and they've got three more picks. So they've got three, uh, 19, number 30, and number 34. So they've got four picks, almost all, you know, three of them in the first round, one right in the beginning of the second round. So they're going to have a chance to, to retool a little bit. And if, 
you know, it's one of those things I think where if you've got four picks like that and you come away with two NBA rotation players, you've probably done a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, KL, this is TR here. Um, Atlanta, it's Lloyd Pierce. I'm from Philly, so I'm familiar with Lloyd Pierce a lot. <laughs> and, you know, if you've well, got. Philly, uh, if I can interject, uh, Dante DiVincenzo is coming in for a workout tomorrow in Atlanta. You know, you read my mind. Um, when you mentioned number 19, and his his stock has risen since he, uh, you know, went to the combine, and also obviously the national championship game, he got he got noticed. But quote unquote, the Michael Jordan of the state of Delaware coming out of high school, and he just keeps proving doubters wrong, and he keeps his game keeps getting better and better, and he's just turning some heads. I mean, he's not on anybody's top 10 right now on draft boards or what have you. But, I mean, if you guys could grab, I don't know, say a, I'm, a, I'm big on Mo Bamba. If you grab a Mo Bamba at three and a DiVincenzo at 19, you know, two, three years down the road, that's a pretty good draft, you know. And uh, I don't think they're looking for immediate impact from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, and, and I don't expect them to. But, uh, you know, it's hard to go from, from where they are, you know, Coming from an awful – there's two sides of Philadelphia people. There's process guys and people who hated it. I hated it. And, you know, I hate to see anybody go through it, anybody to lose games on purpose and so forth. Maybe if they just reworded it to rebuild, I'd be on board. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty cool that uh, Dante's getting a look down there. I guess he's pretty much decided that he's going to go through with it. Is that the case? I'm not – uh, I am not up to date on that. <laughs> so I don't have the answer, but I, I do know that it's going to work out tomorrow. And I think if you know, they saw him, obviously, at the combine, and uh, but I don't know beyond that, to be sure. Gotcha. Uh, well, you as they, Mo Bamba. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Mo Bamba, go ahead. Absolutely. I was just going to say that you, the person making the decisions for the Hawks is Travis Schlenk. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the general manager here. He was the assistant general manager at Warriors uh, for a few years when they were putting their team together, uh, starting with, I want to say, like the Clay Thompson draft, but maybe even a little bit before that. And gotcha. when he first got here, I asked him, you know, and there was a lot of talk about this and that and talking about the Warriors offense, but I – I asked him, you know, if you look at the Warriors' defense, you know, schematically one of the things that they do and one of the things that you just is all over the place in this playoffs is, has been the switching defenses. Mm-hmm. Now with, with Houston sort of copying it too, and, you know, you see a, quite a bit of it even in the, the Celtics-Cavs series. I just wonder if they would take somebody like Bomba. It kind of dictates the way you have to play defense a certain way, and I, I don't know if, when I asked Schlenk about switching, he's like, yeah, that's something we want to do. And I don't think we actually saw much of it in Atlanta the first season, but I think he's going to keep that in mind as he puts his team together. Well, uh, gotcha. Um, gotcha on that point. Well, K- KL, I'm a uh, Minnesota fan, um, so you're welcome for the 19th pick on that one. Uh, just, just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Hawks fans were big team fans there. I thought you were talking about college for a second. No, 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 Timberwolves, sir. No, uh, but yes, we got um, 
we got you guys that 19th pick with that win and uh, against Denver there at the end of the season, so you're welcome. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Mo Bamba. It's like you guys were reading. I just looked at the CBS mock draft. Uh, take that with a grain of salt because, you know, mock drafts change every day. But uh, right now the Hawks at three is projected to take one Mo Bamba, um, according yeah. to their, quote, experts. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's, it, I mean, I, I don't think that he necessarily fits that style, but at the same time, if they think he's an informational player, then they could adapt and, you know, try a different scheme. I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it, it's tricky. I, I really do. I sort of have faith in Schlenk. I, I think he'll make the right call, but it's, it's an interesting question. I wonder if, I don't know. We, I look at the way the Warriors play, and I wonder if a player like Jaron Jackson might be where he's leading. I don't, I don't know. He seems more of a, a fit to the, the style of play of the way the Warriors play, the way some of the teams you see play in the playoffs now. You know the defenses and the switching, and of course the three point shooting. I don't know. I just, he, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Bamba, but it would make one uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, sorry. Isaiah Taylor, very happy. Uh, one of the guards here in Atlanta the last season was Isaiah Taylor, who played at Texas, and uh, he was constantly trying to sell everybody on Mo Bamba. And <laughs> maybe he's right because the stock has risen a lot since then. Yeah, I, I fell in love with that kid at the McDonald's All-American game. They pulled him aside and interviewed him, which it was the first time I ever saw this move on any level. Um, they were concentrating on him. Um, the television broadcasters, and he was still watching the game and kind of answering as he's paying attention competitively to the game. And uh, the interviewer was kind of like on pause as this high school kid is basically blowing them off to, to, as he's competitive watching his team go on a you know a breakaway or whatever. But then he came back uh, to her or him, I forget if it was a, a female or male reporter, and he apologized, and he was so articulate and just seemed like uh, wise beyond his years. So, you know, whoever lands him is going to land a good player. But I want to switch gears a little bit with the Celtics and the uh, Cavaliers series, and especially watching the Celtics and Sixers, which was mind-numbing for me. It really was. They just <laughs> they just beat us. I mean, it really killed me to watch that. But, um a guy I never gave as much credit as I should have is a guy that was in your neck of the woods, and that's Al Horford. He, I mean, they all they all pretty much contributed to beating us, but uh, Al Horford was just, whenever he had the ball, no matter who we had on him, he seemed to come up with a big bucket. Um, what can you say about Al? I, I mean, I think one of the knocks when he was here in Atlanta was, you know, that when they played him at center, they couldn't get a rebound. They struggled. They were one of the poor defensive rebounding teams when he was here. And I think that was kind of an unfair knock because, um, you know, if you look at the 60-win season and, you know, the seasons before and after that, you know, the, the Hawks had a top five defense. And the reason it was such a proficient defense is that when teams would run pick and roll, they would play a trapping defense. And a lot of times that, and, you know, then behind that, that uh, meant that they would have to do a lot of rotations. So that 
put their big men out on the perimeter a lot at the time a shot was taken and a rebound was there to be had, Horford and Millsap were a long way from the basket, um, and it didn't always leave them in great rebounding positions. So I, I think it was kind of unfair that they got that knock for being poor rebounders, and you know there were certainly times that teams just bludgeoned them. But I don't. I think that they were playing the scheme that they were led to be played, and and if they were maybe average rebounders, the scheme kind of took them a little bit below that. I understand. Yeah, d- different scheme, different situation, different results. He's definitely he, flourished yeah, and still he, on the Boston. On the positive side, he's such a great, you know, what is he bad at? It's like nothing. <laughs> he's a good shooter. Yeah. He's a good passer. He's a good teammate. He's a good culture guy. He's a good rebounder. You know, he's, he's a really good shot blocker. I don't think he gets enough credit for that at all. He's a really good defender. He, you know, when the, the Hawks got bludgeoned two seasons in a row, um, running into LeBron in the playoffs, but he was the best player, the best chance they had at defending LeBron was when it was his turn to just kind of try to do it one-on-one. Uh, everybody else, they threw LeBron just failed miserably, and, and Horford had, you know, a pretty game try at it. Uh, he's really just a marvelous player. Uh, the, the spot from him to Howard did not work out at all. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, one thing I want to ask about the Atlanta Hawks to kind of switch back to them is um, the Hawks signed Kent Bazemore to a four-year, $70 million deal that they're stuck in right now. And when you're stuck in rebuild mode and you're paying a guy like Kent Bazemore who hasn't averaged over 13 points a game um, in his since he got to Atlanta at least, um, is he really hurting the cap? by being there, taking up that much money, because he, he's guaranteed he's going to be there until 2019 unless he opts out. Uh, no, 2020, excuse me, becomes a restricted, unrestricted free agent. But unless he opts out, his last year he's getting $19 million from Atlanta. Are the Hawks beginning to regret that contract uh, with Kent Bazemore, that big four-year $70 million deal, or is, is he a guy that they're going to want to use to help rebuild with? along with Schroeder and other players. I think he's, I think they're okay with, with him on the rebuild, uh, you know, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, for one, Schlenk is familiar with him. His, Bazemore's entry into the league was basically he caught on with the Warriors for Summer League and G League, or, you know, then it was the D League, but, you know, Schlenk is very familiar with Bazemore, and I, I think he's kind of a, a player that fits what Schlenk wants to have out there on the court. Um, that summer of 2016 was a crazy summer, and, you know, you look at the contracts that, that came out there, Alan Crabb and uh, Luol Deng and Timothy, Timothy Mongolf. <laughs> yeah, they were just some awful contracts, and I, I don't think Bazemore's was – that bad. I, it's funny that the two contracts they signed that summer were were Howard and Bazemore. And I, you know, Bazemore we're, were two seasons in since he signed that deal. The first season he just had nagging injuries. He didn't really have a very productive season um, because he was hurt. You know, he'd be out on some fast breaks and he'd jump to go you know dunk, and it was like, oh wait, he's not going to make it. And you'd see him just kind of put a layer. He just couldn't take off at all. He lost a lot of his explosiveness. Uh, that would have been the 2016-17 season. And then this season, 
you know, he was healthier until the end when he got a bone bruise. But, um, you know, for the first 65, 60 games of the season, he was healthy and, you know, reasonably productive. He was their best player this season. I mean, Schroeder had more points per game, but really Baysmore, if you look at overall game, you know, the ability to shoot, the ability to play defense, to sort of lead the team. I think Baysmore was really the number one guy here over the past season. I think he got lost a little bit in the shuffle because the Hawks won 24 games or whatever it was, but he had a he had a nice season. He was he was he was really the Hawks' best player this season. And so you know to go back to your point when you you ask about you know is he the dead money? I don't think the dead money is Baysmore. I think the dead money is actually in Miles Plumlee um, because they signed Howard to that deal and they had to trade Dwight Howard uh, to yeah. have matching salaries come back. They took on the actually longer term deal of Miles Plumlee. Uh, it was, I think, it was less per year, but more years, and so that's really where the dead money that is probably regretful on the cap right now. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, something else we something else we have in common, uh, KL, is Kyle Korver was a Sixer and then was a Hawk, and he's uh, he was just playing tonight. I was talking to Nate off air earlier in the day. I, I, I've been nailing these playoff games one by one almost to a T. I even predicted Steph Curry's exact 35 points in game three. Um, and <laughs> not Nate that you would brag about it or anything. No, no, <laughs> not, not at all. Uh, not that I would retweet it all the time or anything like that. But um, Kyle Korver playing tonight, I, Nate liked the Cavs. I favored the Celtics. And I went with that old adage that role players don't play well on the road. But in Kyle's case specifically, I mean, I don't know who that guy was in game four. He He's he's leaping up and blocking shots like Matumbo. And, uh, you know, he's, he's so quick off the screen and pulling up, boom, boom. It, it reminded me of the Philly and, to a lesser extent, the Atlanta days. He, he had the quickness. But um, – it's just a segue in, into your prediction going into game six or possibly game seven. Do you see LeBron finally being unseated uh, in a, in a finals appearance? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know why. I just kind of have a feeling that they will go to that game. seven. I think maybe it'll be something like a, a team effort. You mentioned the role players struggling on the road. I think that the role players will probably have a pretty good role in game six and, and then it will be up to LeBron to be kind of a one-man show and, and try to steamroll the Celtics in Game Seven. It, it, it'll be it'll be good theater. <laughs> Corver, yeah, sure. uh, Corver was an amazing player here. I mean, just he, you know, those those things where he would hit, you know, three threes in in two minutes of game action. Those were the actually the loudest moments that. Whoops! Arena has gotten in the last decade would be when when Corver would have those little runs. I mean, the guy's thirty-seven years old. A lot of people don't realize that he's been he's been around, you know, and, uh, still producing. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I'm trying to. Somebody was saying something the other day, and you know, talking about Corver, making it sound like, you know, he was he was a one-trick pony and. And, you know, as he gets older, he's going to be more and more of a one-trick pony. But when he was here in Atlanta, he was basically good at everything that you can do on a basketball court except for dribbling. I mean, he was a good defender. He's a good defender. He's huge. He's like – he had a locker next to Paul Millsap. And I'm pretty sure Corver was taller. Um, uh. you know, so he's big. He blocked a lot of shots. 
he had like ridiculously quick hands with like little strip blocks. It's funny that that he and Millsap came from Utah, and they when by the both by the time both were here with the Hawks, they were both magnificent at sort of stripping the ball as somebody would go to shoot it. But before they really got anywhere in their shot motion, just kind of strip it from them. Um, you know, he, he was really good on defense, rebounding, blocking shots, obviously shooting, you know, passing, you know, making sure that the ball went to the right places in an offense that was predicated on motion. He did all of that. And, you know, he had gravity to boot because defenders were chasing him all over the place away from the court. He opened up so much for his teammates. So he was really a, just a magnificent all-around basketball player. And he's going to become more of a specialist as he gets older, but it was fun to watch when he was here. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, one thing I do want to ask. Yeah, I got one more thing I want to ask, and TR probably want to chime on this, and uh, KO will let you go after this. And thank you for giving us so much of your time as the laundry finishes up in the background. Um, We want to – I want to ask you about Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Ilyasova, and TR being the 76ers guy. Um, They basically left – Atlanta and went to Philly and then went on this incredible playoff run with those players. Um, losing Bellinelli and Ilyasova was obviously a move to get to, to not be successful as the season went on. Um, what are your thoughts on them moving on and what did they mean to the city of Atlanta and how did they look in the playoffs? Um, let's see. <laughs> That's a lot to unpack there, but you know, I think I think Bellinelli's case was a little bit uh, clearer and cleaner. Um, I think they tried to explore some trades as they were coming up to the trade deadline, and uh, they weren't able to trade him. You know, he was going to be an expiring contract, and they weren't going to be able to trade him for anything unless they took money back for next season, which would have been a huge loss for the Hawks because they were one of the few teams with cap space precious, precious cap space going into a season where a lot of teams are going to be under the crunch of trying to get out from uh, from the cap and from the tax and things like that. So, you know, it made sense for them not to trade him because they didn't want to take any money back. And so I think, you know, to be respectful to him, they they signed, you know, they actually they traded for Bell. They, they was a veteran. It was just a move, to, you know, to be kind of respectful and say, hey, you know, obviously you're not going to, be chasing your uh, veteran uh, dreams here this season, you know, go do, go do it somewhere else. I think with Ely Sova, it was a little bit trickier. Um, I don't know that there were a whole lot of trade options for him. And he had, uh, you know, because he had just been signed. um, I don't want to botch the CBA language, but his contract was such that he had the power to veto any trades. Um, And so I think, you know, he, had some destinations in mind uh, where he would want to go. And uh, so I don't think the Hawks really ever had any chance of trading him. And so it was just a matter of sort of negotiating a buyout. But again, you know, sort of respectful to veterans, you know, you can go and uh, do your thing somewhere else. And I think Bellinelli was, was good for the Hawks when he was here. I think, you know, for some of the young players, he taught the, I don't, I don't want to call it a trick, because that kind of cheapens it. But he taught him the skills of, you know, moving without the ball, uh, the skill of a pump fake. His, his, his pump fake is really something magnificent to behold. This is such a stupid little thing, but it gets him so much. 
offensively, and, and he, you could see some of the younger players starting to do some of that by the time you know they got to the end of the season. So I think he was really good for the Hawks this year in that regard. Uh, he was also a terrible defender, and I think that kind of came out a little bit in the playoffs for the 76ers, where I think he's still <laughs> a little bit more of a steady two-way player. He's really something for a player. I, I'm interested to see where he goes next year. Uh, he's been, you know, he was drafted, I want to say, in 2005, yeah, like somewhere in the 40s. Um, you know, he, he's not the most explosive athlete, but he just kind of hangs on, just kind of doing his thing. He's not really even the greatest shooter. He's a competent shooter, but he's not a special shooter by any means. But just kind of being smart, being strong, being competitive and playing hard, and he just kind of gets, gets – gets through things. He was a fun player to watch. Uh, I, I think he can help the playoff team next year. Yeah, th- those two guys really helped us in the end. Um, as you pointed out, though, Cinderella turned into a pumpkin with the defensive liability <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't and, surprising in Atlanta that that, that was going to happen. He, he was a little bit of a turnstile when he was here, but he's, you know, fun to talk to and, uh, you know, really skilled offensive player. Yeah, I mean, I was I was glad for them, and, and you know, that I think they've combined for 18 different teams collectively, and uh, <laughs> you know, they they they've both been around, but but like you said, taught or maybe taught by osmosis some things, basic fundamentals which have been lost, and especially the European guys, they you know, it rubs off on people, pump fakes, and just. Every little fundamental that sometimes AAU and the uh, advanced athletes here are, are kind of forgetting in this era of basketball. But I enjoyed their time yeah. here, and uh, you know I hope we can get one or both of them back in a uh, in some kind of capacity. But who who knows what's going on in the off season, you know? And uh, you know, Nate, I think we're going to bring KL back if he wants to come when we get more on the draft and what have you. Would you agree? Absolutely. If he'd love to jump back on with us, KL, thank you for giving us your time here this evening. It's late after the after game uh, game five of the, the Eastern Conference Finals, but thank you for jumping on with us and uh, tell our listeners where they can find you at on Twitter and all that great stuff that people love to hear about. I write for Hawks.com, so that's pretty easy to find. And on Twitter, it's uh, at KLC... <laughs> H-O-U-I-N-A-R-D. Sorry. I hadn't really said hey. it out, out loud before. It just seemed weird. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, I'll do it, though, brother. <laughs> but everybody check him out. Hey. And, again, thank you, KL, for jumping on with us and talking some hoops. And uh, we hope to have you back in the coming weeks, especially as we get closer to draft time. All right. Sounds good. Good thank luck you, getting down today. Good, good player. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was KL, and we're going to take a minute here, so we'll be right back. We want to invite you to check out our sponsor, WowFreeCam.com. For everything you could ever want and imagine in a cam site, it's finally here. It's WowFreeCam.com. You can log on right now and go look at some beautiful women men, and whatever else your heart desires. WowFreeCam.com limits absolutely nothing to your effect, and you can join right now 
and go check out all the fun over on wowfreecam.com. Make sure that you are 18 or older before checking out the site, but we want to give our oldest sponsor some love here on Wide Men Can't Jump and the Wide Men Network. Wowfreecam.com have been with us from the beginning, and we want you to enjoy all the riches they have to offer. So check it out now. You don't know what you're missing. Wowfreecam.com must be 18 or older. That's right, folks. Wowfreecam.com, our oldest sponsor, but definitely not our least effective sponsor. And thank you, Wowfreecam, for being with us from the beginning here on the show. Hey, TR, you still there with me, bro? Hey, the hits just keep on coming. We're about to be joined by our next guest. Let's keep them rolling. Sounds good. All right. Our next guest is Brad Rowland, writer and podcaster for Dime Uproarics, covers the whole league, and also is, believe it or not, why this episode is called Rock, Chalk, Hawk, and Playoff, he covers the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> full time. So, uh, Brad, thanks for jumping on with us, brother. That's uh, no problem at all. We're just happy to talk about the Hawks and whatever else is going on, because obviously the NBA is uh, very busy right now. It is. We just had uh, K.L. Chenard on. Uh, he writes for the Atlanta Hawks uh, website and covers for Fox Sports Hawks, and we talked a little Atlanta Hawks with him right now. Um, we'll ask you a couple Hawks questions, but we mainly want to talk about, you know, the NBA and what's going on. Um, and especially, well, we've talked a little about Game 5. What was your reaction to Game 5 tonight with the Celtics and the Cavs? Yeah, it was uh, one of those nights when uh, LeBron wasn't quite 100% LeBron, and uh, they couldn't afford to have him be less than that because the rest of the Cavs, you know, aside from Kevin Love, really, really struggled. And uh, right now, LeBron's got to be almost perfect, frankly, for them to especially win on the road. So, uh, yeah, he wasn't that in uh, sort of weird fashion, and uh, nobody else picked him up. So, you know, they're in a big hole. But, it's quite, you know, you still kind of don't want to pick against LeBron because, you know, even with a game in Boston looming in Game 7, you think Cleveland probably wins Game 6. Yeah, TR here, Brad. Thanks for coming on with us. I uh, I don't know, Nate. I, I kind of forget we've been all over the place. Did I mention that I predicted the Celtics to win tonight? I think I'm you mentioned it in, in. I think you mentioned it in passing. Wasn't for sure though. Uh, that's that's a little joke on, on Nate, Brad. Um, we were we were talking to <laughs> he hasn't to shut KL up a little about bit. it. God damn. <laughs> we were talking to. KL about it, and and you being a Hawks guy as well, um, it seems like, and it's it's almost the same with the Sixers. The people that we used to have are are, are playing deeper into the season, but um, you got Kyle Korver and you got Al Horford on the other side. Um, is there a sentimental rooting interest uh, on either side for you for those guys who played uh, former Hawk players? Um, I root I, I for those guys to do well individually. Uh, you know, growing up a Hawks fan, I'm, I'm not necessarily a pure fan anymore that I cover the team, but, you know, I, I did grow up a Hawks fan, so the Celtics were kind of the chief rivals, and it's hard to root for the Celtics uh, in, in that way. But, you know, I really, really like Al Horford. I always did really enjoy covering him and watching him. So uh, I'm a big fan of both those guys. Kyle was uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to as well when he's in Atlanta. I was a very good uh, quote and a good guy in my experience. So I root for those guys to do well. I think all things equal, I'd probably have to maybe root for the Cavs, but it's also hard because I'm someone who likes to root for the underdog, and the Cavs are usually not the underdog as well. So uh, not not a ton of rooting interest for me aside from just those guys playing well. Understood. 
Well, we've talked a lot about Game 5 on the Celtics and Cavs tonight, and uh, you pretty much summed it up. LeBron wasn't 100% LeBron, but let's look at the other side of the country, the Rockets and the Warriors. Um, they had their closest game last, um, I believe it was last night, uh, Game 4, where Houston got home court advantage back, took one in Golden State and Oracle. I think that was the first loss at home by the Warriors in 12 playoff games. So that was uh, Houston was able to get one last night. They shot the ball excellent, and they moved the ball a lot better against that Warriors team, which ISO ball against the Warriors, they're going to beat you every time. But they made it work last night. Chris Paul looked good passing. James Harden hit uh, hit his cuts well, and I thought the war, the uh, Rockets looked good. Uh, what do you think of that series going on out there right now, Brad? Yeah, it was a huge win for Houston. You know, obviously, if they had lost that game, they would have Almost DOA, just because you can't go down three-one against the Warriors. But uh, yeah, it was sort of a weird one in that you know early on you had the the onslaught of Golden State, then the huge run by Houston to take the lead at halftime, and then third quarter Golden State just turns it on and the, the way that only they can. Like that they kind of they pretty much imploded in the fourth quarter. It was a very sort of bizarre um, sequence um, to see the Warriors just completely stop running their offense and taking bad shots. And it might be instructive for Game Five. I do think. You know, if Andre Iguodala can play and Clay Thompson can play, I think Golden State probably still has the advantage, even though that seems weird with uh, with two games uh, left in Houston, only one in Oakland. But, you know, it's definitely a little bit scary if you're a Warriors fan for the first time in the series, uh, you know, knowing the injury stuff right now and knowing that Houston's getting a, getting a lot of confidence. It's no longer the situation where it just feels like the Warriors are definitely going to win. There's, it's it's going to be a series, and Houston has home court, which uh, is also a great equalizer. And they only scored 12 yeah. points, I believe, in the uh, fourth quarter, which is unfathomable for Golden State to only put up 12 points. And uh, go ahead, T.R., I just wanted to point out that little fact. Yeah, well, that, that segues into my point. Um, they did score 12 in the fourth. And, you know, cr- credit where it's due. Houston played their ass off, you know, uh, last mm-hmm. last night. But uh, – Missing Iguodala was a lot bigger than people gave credit to on the surface, and I believe, if I'm correct, he'll be he'll return um, tomorrow night. And I kind of think that was the uh, the Rocket Swan song, if you will. I think that was their their biggest game of the year, and I just I, I'll stick with my Warriors in six. I think that they're just that that as you said, twelve points. In, in one quarter when you have a guy, I think number three option, Clay, I think one game he had 37 in a quarter himself in his career. <laughs> so they're just so deep. They became, in my opinion, uh, with the Mark Jackson, the Steve Kerr deal, they, they were such likable splash brothers and almost an underdog of sorts that you really enjoyed. And now it's kind of like, all right, everywhere you go, there's a good player and uh, a guy you can give it to. Um, and I, I just really think they're just too strong. And I, I think they're better, this current group of them, coming off a loss because they get pissed off and more kind of, uh, you know, focused on, on the things that they were, I'm not going to say they were effing around, but, you know, they're they're more dialed in. uh I have them winning in six myself. I, I think they take the next two, and I think I think they're going to come out with a vengeance tomorrow night. 
However, I could be wrong. Um, you never know. You, um, I'm trying to. Uh, you know how I get lost sometimes, Nate. My question. I had a question coming. <laughs> <laughs> There's a question for, uh, here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, I was going to mention um, what I mentioned earlier and what I had heard. You know, which played itself out tonight in Cleveland. As far as the role players do not usually play well on the road uh, in the playoffs. In the Houston series, where they're coming home, they got the P.J. Tuckers and the Eric Gordon and so forth. With the Warriors being so strong, I'm going to flip that up in my question to you. Do you think those guys will show up as a supporting cast tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, I, you mentioned briefly there Iguodala's absence being huge in Game 4, and I think it absolutely was because, you know, sneakily, Golden State's not that deep right now. Uh, they, have a really, right. they have a really weird roster. They have a bunch of centers that they really can't play in this series. So without Iguodala and, and when Thompson sort of hobbled a little bit, like they're looking at Nick Young and they're looking at Quinn Cook and guys who they probably don't want to play a ton. So those guys you wouldn't imagine would play better on the road, but then you throw in, you know, Iguodala's questionable right now. I think everybody is probably assuming he's going to play, and that's probably the way that I would assume things as well. If he does play, those guys are all veterans between, you know, Livingston and Iguodala and Draymond even is sort of a, you know, the, the elite level role player, I guess. Uh, those guys I think will play well, even though they're on the road. And then Houston's guys, you know, probably be comfortable at home, but, you know, there's a reason Golden State is a small, you know, a, sort of a small Vegas favorite, even, even in, even in Houston, everybody seems to believe in the Warriors. It's tough to not believe in the Warriors because as you mentioned, uh, whenever their backs against the wall, they seem to respond and come out, you know, guns blazing. So I think you'll see a, uh, a pretty uh, heavy effort from them. I, I, I would pick Golden State as well. I'm not, I'm not quite as convinced as I was, you know, a couple of days ago, just because Houston did finally, you know, pull out that win that I, I thought they would not be able to get on the road. But yeah, I mean, I still have to pick Golden State in the series just because they're Golden State. And until, until they lose, I just can't pick against them. That's where we're on one the same page that, there. One guy that I've been surprised with how poorly. Um, he's played this series, has been Clint Capella. I said he would be the key for the Rockets, and yet they've kept this, the series even. His rebounding was better in the last game. He finally broke double-digit rebounds, um, I believe, for the second time in the series. But he's finished in the minus almost every single game uh, in the plus-minus. I think he finished in the plus once, and it was plus three. Um, he's only had double-digit points in game one which they lost. And Capella, to me, just hasn't been that defensive presence that I assumed he would be and what they need for Houston to be successful in this series. Now, granted, they've won, but if Golden State can solve the mystery of slowing down either Paul or Harden, you gotta you got to pick one. You're not going to slow them both down. And Eric Gordon, uh, you got to make him shoot bad shots. If they can figure out, I would. If it were me, I would try to slow down Paul because Harden's going to get his, um, and you just got to take that take that lump. If because Capella's been a non-factor for the most part, and they need to exploit him because he can't do. They switch everybody. Houston does, but Capella's not going to be able to guard a Curry or a Thompson or a Durant or anybody like that. He's just not fast enough. And um, I want to ask you, Brad. Do you have you watched and noticed Capella? And what he's been doing for Houston has not been effective in this series so far compared to the last two series that Houston was in because 
I'll be honest, Capella made Carl Anthony Towns look like a fool. And as a Minnesota fan, I don't really care for that. And he played really well against, against um, oh, shoot, I lost it. They played um, Utah. 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 Yes, that's it. There we go. Yeah, I do I do this for a living. Uh he played really well against Utah. Um what do you what are your thoughts on Clint Capella? Yeah, it's it's actually a little bit if you're uh, if you're a Warriors fan, you might be a little bit scared because the, the series is tied with Capella not playing as well as you would have imagined he would play. I, I never thought he was going to be as good in this series as he was in the last two series when he's playing against a more traditional big man in Towns and Gobert. He can sort of be his uh, uber athletic self, and it's not a situation where he's having to fly around against the, against perimeter guys against Golden State. Uh, you just kind of you just kind of get play off the floor as, as as athletic as Capella is when compared to other centers. You know, most centers, and he's I guess included in this list, just kind of can't play when the Warriors are playing uh, their their entire small ball lineup. And weirdly, because you know Golden State finally decided to start their best five. At one, at, at, for this series, essentially, uh, with Raymond Green at center, that makes it really tough for Clint Capella to play a lot of minutes. I mean, obviously, when Kevon Looney's playing, then you know Capella can look good and can kind of just be himself. But um, against his small ball lineup, it's really tough to play him a lot. And I think, you know, he's going to have to play and probably play better for Houston to win two of the next three games, even at, even uh, with home court advantage. But you know, they got they got to be feeling pretty lucky, honestly, if you're a Rockets fan, just because. You know, Capella not playing well in four games and you and you winning two of them is a pretty uh, pretty nice setup, honestly. Yeah, Nate, I think we get a little curved tonight for starting at 11. Our normal time's 8 to 10. Um, but we, we obviously oh, yeah. we didn't want to go against game five. Um, really quickly, though, to switch gears to the, to the Hawks, we talked to KL a little bit. We don't want to go too far into the future with the draft and so forth. But sitting at number three uh, – what are your thoughts on the direction that they're going? And also, uh, KL let us know that uh, uh, I'm from Philly, so this kind of warmed my heart a little bit that uh, Dante DiVincenzo is coming in for a workout for you guys tomorrow. I think he'd be a steal at 19. Uh, what are your thoughts on the draft? Yeah, Dante will be in Thursday. It'll be interesting to see uh, you know, how, how he looks, obviously. He's kind of the only big name that worked out, too, which will be, uh, sort of be all eyes on him. But, yeah, at number three, I think the Hawks are in pretty good shape. Uh, I'm a big Luka Doncic fan. I don't think he's going to be available. And I think the Hawks are going to be picking between uh, Marvin Bagley uh, from Duke and Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. I like both those guys quite a bit. You know, there's been some momentum from Mo Bamba of Texas as well. I, I think the Hawks probably stay put and just draft the best player available. You know, the, the new GM, Travis Slank, has been pretty vocal about just taking the best player and not really worrying about, you know, fit or anything like that. He just kind of wants upside and uh, taking the best talent, which, you know, all these guys are very talented. I think there's a little bit of worry if you're drafting a big man in the top three just because, uh, as we talked about earlier with the Warriors-Rocket series, it's tough for big guys to stay on the floor sometimes in these high-leverage spots, but, uh, on the bright side for uh, you know J- uh, for Jackson and Bagley, they're very very athletic and very skilled, so they should be able to at least uh, sort of play more than your uh, more than your normal sort of traditional center in that way. So you know it's a long way to go, as you mentioned, just like another month or so and for all the rumors and the silly season to continue. Uh, I don't have a ton of intel what the Hawks are actually going to do. I am pretty sure though that they're already narrowed it down to you know two or three guys. At this point in time, and unless, unless something crazy happens and one of the top two guys falls, I think it's going to be bad for Jackson. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the Hawks would look uh, if if I were picking for the Hawks, I would lean more towards Bagley 
just because of his youth. Um, he's, you know, TR's pointed out on previous shows, Bagley um, actually came to college early, played a year. He's only like 18 years old now, I believe, TR. Is that right? Um, he's I, think, about I think he might, have, might be, yeah, something around there. Might be, might be 19, but he, he did that exception um, of high school where he came out a year early. Yeah, so you're going to get maybe, you know, some more time out of him to grow. And he went to Duke, so he's not that far away from the Atlanta area. Um, you know, still close to where he went to college. Um, you know, Bagley just – I'll be honest, I'm not blown away right now by any names in this draft. I think you're going to get a lot of solid players, but there's not going to be that superstar that really just jumps out and says, man, did you – how did – you know, we saw this coming a mile away. I, all these guys are great talents but I'm not convinced on anybody that I'm like, yeah, this is the can't-miss guy the draft. I think this is just a a draft where you're going to get a lot of good players, but maybe not so many great players. Um, is there a guy in the draft, Brad, that you, know, that you would know so far or looking ahead early of, you know, this is a guy that if I had my choice, this would be the guy I would get? Uh, first, I'm, I'm kind of with you that there's not that there's not that Anthony Davis in this class. There's not that LeBron this class. There isn't that no doubt number one, you know, projected Hall of Famer kind of guy. There's a lot of guys I like and uh, a few guys that I'd be comfortable with. If I had a number one pick, uh, you know, sort of in a vacuum, you know, not you know, sort of regardless of the team, I, I'd probably take Luka Doncic. I think he is the best combination of you know upside in today's NBA with a guy who's on the wing and can handle the ball and shoot and create for himself as well as safety. Like he's. Uh, you know, everybody is always saying this, but he's the most accomplished European prospect pretty much ever. Like he was just the yearly MVP at 19 years old, which is kind of insane. Um, so I really like him quite a bit. Uh, at the same time, I think uh, a lot of his value is the fact that I think he's just, he's just going to be safe and very good. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a super-duper star either. So, yeah, I, I, your overarching point is a good one. And I'm sure one of these guys is going to pop and be, you know, a six-time all-star. I'm just not 100% sure which one that guy is. And if I had to take my my guy, I'd be Chief, even though I'm not going to project it to be like the next big thing. Gotcha. All right. Do uh, you got anything? Our, yeah, our, our, our first uh, show ever, Nate and I were assuming that there was going to be a healthy Gordon Hayward, a healthy Kyrie Irving, a healthy Kawhi Leonard. And somehow we had the Celtics in San Antonio, so I'm still rooting for uh, the Celtics to get there just so we can look half good. But uh, <laughs> to look into the crystal ball, um, you know, uh, hypothetical gun to your head right now, who's meeting in the finals? Ooh, I, uh, it's really tough, honestly. I, I'm going to pick the uh, Warriors and the Celtics. Uh, I would not have picked the Celtics before Game Five, but just the way that LeBron sort of looked exhausted, and now Boston's just been so good at home that uh, it's going to be really tough for Cleveland to go in there in Game Seven, um, as well as the fact that you know Boston could win Cleveland in Game Six. I don't think that's going to happen, but it could. And then you know Golden State, as I mentioned before, I, I think it's pretty tough to, to pick against them. Uh, you know, obviously they could lose at this point. That would that would not be a huge surprise anymore based on based on Game Four, but. You know, all things equal, I'm going to take the Warriors and the Celtics, and uh, you know I would always pick the Warriors there. I think it'd be pretty crazy to pick against whoever wins the West, regardless. But uh, Warriors, Celtics for me. Yeah, that's who I got. Nate, you booked another smart guest. Well, I got one more question for our guests here. This has been a little bit of rumor uh, going around. Um, 
Brad, I'm just going to ask you this one, and then we'll let you go. And thank you so much for giving us your time this evening or this morning now. Um, there's been a, tr- a rumor regarding the NBA draft that the Phoenix Suns are opening are open to trading the number one overall pick. They're not against it at all. Um, the Hawks have multiple first-round picks, and are the, you assume they're not in love with anybody enough to maybe package a few of those picks to try to jump up two spots. Um, but I've heard that there's been talk of my team, Carl Anthony Towns, Timberwolves, jumping and trading Towns to the Suns for that number one pick in the deal, which I think may be the – if they do it, I may have to find a new team uh, because I, that is ludicrous to me. Have you heard these rumblings, and what do you think about it as a guy that covers the whole league? Yeah, I've heard the same thing, but not as a really serious thing. I, I, I would be absolutely stunned if the Wolves did that, um, you know, based on intel that you hear around the league. I think they would probably fire Tom Thibodeau before they made that trade. You know, Tibbs is in charge yeah. in Minnesota front office. Good. If he tried to do that, he, he would need a, he would need ownership approval to do, make that deal. And I, I'm pretty sure the owner would say, uh, "No thanks," and maybe you want to get fired. <laughs> so I, I think you're probably safe with Carlos. They thought not going anywhere. He's 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 their he's their guy, and I can't imagine him getting traded. Frankly. Well, if they do, I'm making a march to Minnesota, and we're going to have a talk. It's going to be loud. Uh, but, uh, T.R., you got anything for our guest before we let him go? Uh, no, nah, just make sure that he gets uh, his information out there for everybody to uh, follow him on social media or wherever they can find him. Yeah, just uh, let our listeners know, Brad, where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm on Twitter at BT Woolens. I also host the Life on Hawks podcast. You can find that at Locked on Hawks. That's a, it's, a, it's an exclusively a Hawks podcast, but uh, – do some uh, around the league stuff as well. And then I write for PeacherHoops.com where I am the sort of editor-in-chief at the Hawks site. And then I write for Dime Mag, uh, which is uh, DimeMag.com or UpRocks.com, as you guys mentioned at the beginning of the show. So just follow me. I'm always around. Everything goes up, goes up on Twitter, so that's probably a good spot. All right. Well, Brad, thank you for joining us. And you have a good night. And we hope to have you back on here as we get closer to the draft and talk some more hoops with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brad. Oh, it's my pleasure. I have to do it anytime you guys want. So I, I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. Well, that was Brad Rowland from Dime Mag and Uproarics. So we're going to take another quick timeout. We'll be right back after this. Hello. My name is Kennedy Miller, and I'm a beauty guide for Limelight by Alcon. We are a professional makeup company now being offered to the public after over 60 plus years in the industry. My website is limelifebyalcon.com backslash makeupkennedy. I can also be found on Facebook as Makeup Kennedy. To contact me about products or joining my team, you can email me at makeupkennedy at yahoo.com. I'll be waiting to hear from you. All right, and we're back. Got to pay those bills, folks. Got to get those sponsors' names out there. That's Makeup Kennedy. And check out all of our great sponsors. Stephen P. New, that's at newlawoffice.com. Wowfreecam.com and Makeup by Kennedy. Facebook.com slash Makeup Kennedy. TR, buddy, we've had two great guests, and the show just keeps growing and growing. 
and thank you everyone that's listening out there. If you're listening, please subscribe to the show. Uh, you can find us anywhere and everywhere. iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, FM Flash, Google Play. If it's a podcast site, you can find us. We're there. So just take a look, and um, we're slowly getting there. And you guys are awesome. We have some big announcements coming soon. Don't forget our buddies over at allpronation.com. We're over there. You can find the podcast there with some great content for you there. And we got some more stuff coming up. So just hang in there, and we'll have some more announcements coming in the near future. So, TR, here we are, sir. Hey, man. You got, I got me? A question. All right, good. Go ahead. Has nothing to do with basketball has to do with okay. my location here in Palatial Cliff and Heights, Pennsylvania, when uh, of Paul was. Paul, Paul was our last guy, right? Um, Brad. The gentleman that we – Brad. Uh, um, anyway, when he when he gave his plugs, did they come across clear on your end audio-wise? They, they, did, not, they did not come very clear on my end. I, I got some of them, but not, not, not great. All right, I was wondering Same if I had mean? a bad connection. Yeah, yeah. No, sucks. no, I believe uh, it might have been his connection, but uh, definitely check him out, guys. Uh, Brad Rowland, uh, it's R-O-W-L-A-N-D. He's on Twitter. Uh, we follow him on the Wide Men Can't Jump page. And while you're there looking for Brad, why don't you follow us on Twitter, at Wide Jump. We're trying to expand and get bigger in the world of social media. We've got a few hundred followers, but we'd like to get that number up there a little more. Talk to us about anything. You know, send us a direct message. I opened up the message line. If you want to message us and tell us uh, anything and everything, we'll talk with you. We, you know, we're not. Tr and I share the site uh, with and Tim. Tim's on there occasionally, so jump on and talk to us. Uh, interact with us on social media. We'll we'll have fun. We got our Instagram page. It's Wide Men Can't Jump, and Facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Let's get active on social media. We've slacked a little. We apologize, but we're going to get on that because we definitely want you guys to enjoy the show as much as we enjoy it, and we hope you enjoy us and talking with us. Yeah, um, at Wide Jump, uh, I'd rather, you know, I'm at TR Shock, and we get to the plugs at the end of the show, but personally, I'd rather you follow the show if you're going to make a choice because, uh, you know, I, I've been out of the loop, so to speak. I'll take the blame on this one. I, Nate usually posts for us at Wide Jump, but. I'd certainly rather, you know, you follow the show than, than me personally. But follow both, of course. But, you know, of course. Um, if you have to make a choice, follow the show. You know, show first. But uh, <laughs> we got just us two, right, big guy? Yeah, it's just me and you the rest of the way, man. Uh, we got we – got, I got a couple things I want to bring up. Um, you know, the first thing I want to bring up is – I've been following uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter, and that's and if you need any kind of right now news, that's the guy that you need to follow is um, Adrian Wojnarowski. He's Mister NBA. I wish we could get him on the show. He's a very very busy man working for ESPN. But um, one thing that has came out is the Clippers have extended the contract of Doc Rivers. So Doc Rivers is going to be in the Clippers' helm for a while. Yeah, to me that's a little puzzling. I guess, I guess from a stability standpoint, that's that's where they're going. Um, with Jerry West there, it's hard to question. You know his his moves um, with his 
pedigree for the sport and uh and what have you but i don't know it's it's a little weird to me not not that doc rivers is a bad coach by any means but it's been there for quite a while and and things have not really went that well and he certainly uh, can't blame the talent he was given uh so i don't know I, other than the stability aspect that that one's a head a head scratcher to me well, uh, the Knicks, who hired David Fisdale, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, they're trying to bring Lakers assistant Judd, and forgive me on this pronunciation, Judd Butcher, uh, in to become an assistant. Uh, the Knicks organization is all over the place. And I know the Knicks are one of the most expensive franchises in the world. I believe they're on the top ten somewhere. It's just... It, it's mind-boggling that the Knicks are in such bad shape. They have one guy there right now in Chris Stapp's Porzingis that you can build around. If it's me, I'm offering anything and everything. Like, hey, it's time. It's time to rebuild. Because you got one guy. That's it. And he's the only guy selling tickets, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about you, TR, but the Knicks need – I think the Knicks may be the team that needs the most work in this offseason. I think Atlanta's got more than what the Knicks have to offer. Atlanta has more. Sacramento has more. Phoenix definitely has more. Orlando has more. All these teams are at the bottom of the barrel, but the Knicks have one all-star to try to pull in somebody, and they have nothing else. We went through that a couple weeks ago, and that's just me. What do you think about that? That hurt. And a hurt all-star at that. Um, exactly. I mean, there, there's no uh, no, there's no guarantee that he's coming back full force for next season in the beginning of the season. It's, uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, at least the most recent update I had on, which was admittedly a couple weeks ago. But um, Fizz, that's, that's why I threw it out there as a, as a big long shot. Um, but not impossible because Fizz has a great friendship relationship with uh, one LeBron James and New York's certainly a market that, you know, needs a quality free agent. Now, you know, I'm not putting them up top by any chance, uh, by any means. I think the local, the uh, most recent odds, had him staying in Cleveland, and, and Philly was uh, fourth like, with the Rockets being the favorite of anybody getting them. But um, he does have that relationship, and I don't know. That's 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 stretching it, but I, I I could see them being a player in trying. You know, Fisdale's an attractive guy to play with. A lot of the guys like David Fisdale, and you know, when you're available, if you're a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or whoever else, and get to play in the garden, you know, 41 games a year, et cetera, et cetera. Media scrutiny, you sure you got to deal with all that. Um, a very bad team, as you pointed out. I don't know, man. If I'm if I'm an NBA player and I claim to be a superstar, I might want to go out to the garden. Might be wanna, it might be the wrestling fan in me, but I might want to <laughs> be in the Mecca, Grill Monsoon would say. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. Um, you know, obviously you focus primarily on the uh, T-Wolves and I do the Sixers. 
but we also, much like our guests, cover the rest of the league. Uh, so I, I really don't know, and I, I guess at this point maybe we shouldn't know just because it's it's not complete yet. I think that'll paint a clearer picture, but I, I agree, man. They're in bad shape. And for that market, you know, you got to – they made a splash with the coach, I believe, but you got to at least put out there that you're making the effort, whether you fail or not, you know. That's well, and they don't even that. have – they don't even have that great of a draft pick, honestly. Um, they are picking ninth again. I believe they had the ninth, the eighth or ninth pick last year, and they took Frank uh, uh, Nakila or whatever his name. I can never pronounce that dude's name. God, it's so hard to pronounce. Nah, don't even worry about the I don't think I, name. Well, with the way that he plays, you won't have to worry too long about it. Uh, according to this mock draft, so again, take this with a grain. He's not very good he's a, either. He's he's uh, he's kind of. We had a great. We were spoiled to a great rookie class this year. If you look at the all rookie teams, everybody contributed. Oh, that's on yeah. first and second team. So, I mean, uh, you're right. He's not that good, but he's 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 not, not he's not he's not as bad as my boy. I don't know, man. I don't. I, what I saw Fultz late in the year, I think I'd rather have Fultz than him. No, I don't mean that. Honestly. I don't mean Fultz. I mean Zach. Oh well, you know. He. he I don't think. I don't know. Zach was pretty bad. I don't. That's that's a tough one. Uh, Is that a toss up? <laughs> we'll, put it, we'll have to make a Twitter poll. Who's worse, Zach Collins or Frank Winnemann or whatever his name is? Uh, uh, say Nita, it real fast. Nita Kalina. Uh, Frank Nita Kalina. Uh, who's worse? <laughs> that sounds even worse. I sound like an auctioneer on helium. But um, look <laughs> at the guys France, that right? they passed. Yeah, he's a French player. He only averaged three points overseas. Like I don't understand what the hype was. And they passed on Dennis Smith Jr. They passed on Donovan Mitchell. All great guards. Like both both have been great guards. I don't understand that pick. <laughs> it made no sense to me. Now, granted, Donovan yeah. Mitchell, we didn't know. We didn't know Donovan Mitchell, so I'll give it that. But Dennis Smith was sitting right there. I had him rated well above him on my list. And this dude played over in France. He averaged like three points a game. And they're like, oh, he's going to be great when he comes to New York with Chris Stapps. No, he was shit. He was shit. Well, I, I, I never got the hype. Athletically, certainly not Giannis. But, I mean. No. And it's and it's a weak analogy, but I'll throw it out there. Um, when Giannis came over, nobody expected in four years that he would be uh, a monumental talent like he is. And you know, like I admitted going in, I admitted yeah, I admitted going in it was a weak analogy. But uh, there's a chance for the guy to be maybe a contributor, a good starter, possibly. I don't. I mean, know. he may but, he may be able to contribute. I don't know. Just, Did you I watch the game seen, tonight? Uh, for the most part, yeah. You know, I was I, actually i was I was working on believe it or not, I was working on a swimming pool for a little while. So, but yes, I did watch the game. Um, for the most part, why do you ask? Because I mean, it's just a recurring nightmare now that we're talking about young players with the incredible performances. You know, granted, there's a couple games in Cleveland that the whole team didn't play well, but. Overall, Jason Tatum, just to think back to this point in time last year, 
uh, roughly, you know, a month away, that the Philadelphia 76ers traded up and gave a draft pick. <laughs> Basically, did not to take hand. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's really crazy, man. The guy is so. Uh, I mean, you know, Donovan Mitchell. I would give the edge for the pure rookie. Slight edge at that, though. I mean, Tatum. Tatum has a. He's a damn good player, man. Damn. Well, good like player. we said at the beginning of the year, even after before the season started, we said this. We don't think he'll win Rookie of the Year, but we think Jason Tatum's going to be the best player to come out of this draft. And so far, yeah, he's making us look like Nostradamus over here. I know. Uh, I quick, mean, they're, quick, they're, go ahead. Sorry, they're one win away from going to the final, and he's their leading scorer in the playoffs. If I told so. you we picked the Celtics to go to the finals at the beginning of the year, both of us did. If I told you that. You know, if somebody came back in a time machine and said, Nate, TR, the Celtics are going to go to the finals, we'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But no, they're going to not have Kyrie Irving. Gordon Hayward's going to have the nastiest broken leg of all time. Just wait. But they're going to go anyway. I called you a damn idiot. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford are going to pick this team up and beat the Cavs and beat the Raptor and have this Raptors team that's so deep and they're not going to make it. I've called you nuts, but here we are. They're one game away. Yeah, we are. But here's something I want to bring up. I know you said you think Cleveland's going to win game six, correct? Because I, I agree with you. At home, Cleveland's tough. I mean, my, my, my you know, I've been dead on them. I, I, I wait till the day off to quote unquote officially release it. Um, who I think just of what could happen or, you know, there could be more yeah. about LeBron, about tonight him looking exhausted and things of that nature. But, I mean, uh, judging from, from what I've seen in the series and and what I know about the personnel and how they respond, I, I, w- I would say it's safe to say the games, the, the series is going seven. I, I would think so as of right now. Well, if you're right – I would not be so sure about the Boston Celtics winning this in seven games. I got a little stat, a little bit of stats here for you. LeBron James, and this is before his game with Indiana in the playoffs this year. Okay, so take that, take that out. Okay, LeBron James okay. averages thirty-three points per game. 9.3 rebounds and 4.8 assists in game sevens before that Indiana Pacers game. All right. It will be the, he'll be in his eighth game seven in his career. If this series goes seven, it'll be his eighth one. He is five and two in game sevens. Okay. They beat the Pacers. And now I'm going back and looking at this here. They beat the Pacers. In 2016, the Cavs beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals. James, 27 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. In 2013, against the Spurs, the Heat beat the Spurs, 95-88, 37 points for LeBron James, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. Heat Pacers, 2013, Heat 99, Pacers 76, LeBron 32, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Heat Celtics, June 9th, 2012. 
101-88, Heat. LeBron, 31, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. Now, here's one that he lost. One of the two that he's lost. Game 7, Cavs-Celtics, 2008. Celtics 97, Cavs 92. LeBron, though, had 45 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 50% shooting from the field. Cavs-Pistons, May 21st, 06. Pistons 79, Cavs 61, Eastern Conference semis. LeBron, 27 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 assists. So LeBron James has not lost a Game 7 in the playoffs in a decade so, something to think about there. Mm. As of right now, on a I'm, Wednesday slash Thursday morning, uh, I, because, I mean, I'll point to game two when when Boston beat him at home in this series. He dropped about 40 that game as well. And, uh, yeah, I, he did. And I think it's going to come down to who else can play in Boston effectively besides LeBron, because I think – and you just read the stats then. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he'll show up with everything he's got. And, you know, I, I factored that into my decision. Um, but I understand. Uh, I understand. It was uh, Denim, Denim Fritz, an old name, old man Denim or whatever he calls himself on Twitter Old man now. Denim. Hey, yeah. He's a Sixers. He's a uh, Celtics, excuse me, Freudian slip. He's a Celtics fan, and he expressed some doubts about, you know, the way LeBron is and uh, uh, Boston, because Kyrie is hurt, they don't really have that takeover-a-game guy. But uh, I, I, I countered with, at home collectively, five or six of them are takeover guys. You know, they're just everywhere you turn. And, and uh, of course, what we saw in Cleveland, they've looked very human, very, you know, mediocre, middle of the pack, but... Something about the home. Uh, Boston's a tough place to play, and uh, you know we shall see. I know uh, the networks can't lose either way with a historical team like the Boston Celtics going into the championship or LeBron James. But uh, I don't know. As of tonight, I'm sticking with what I, you know, I'm sticking with the Celtics. Well, I'm sticking with my original pick because, you know, we're looking at game six like it's a foregone conclusion. So I'm not going to say – I still think the Cavs are coming out of this series. They're down 3-2, but I really think tonight will be the wake-up call they need. I think game six you're going to see a dominant Cavs win. I really believe that. And game seven I think is going to be close. If it's a close game, man, it's hard to bet against LeBron, and I I will not do it. In a game seven, the man has not lost a game seven in ten years. So, and the team that beat him in ten years ago was the Celtics. So, who knows? Much different Celtics team, but much different, much different. You're talking about a KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo. um, Hell, they may even had Eddie House on that team. You know, guys like that. Different team, but. Could history repeat itself? It's been 10 years. You never know. Um, it's going to be interesting either way. I think um, I still like the Cavs. Uh, it's hard to beat LeBron four games. It, 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 it's near impossible to beat LeBron four games. Um, 
and I'm and, and listen, I'm not even the biggest supporter for the guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm not even the guy that's going to sing his praises. I I have my issues with LeBron. Don't get me wrong, but he's a tough out, man. So this Cavs team is this Cavs team's tricky. There, it just depends on who's going to be there, who shows up, and what happens. Uh, but. I think it's good that we disagree a little bit because we both got the Warriors on the other side. We both like their ball movement. We both like how they uh, play. I won't say that I'm in love with the way they play, but compared to that ISO ball that the Rockets like to play, I think um, I think the Warriors will win that um, win that game. No, win that series. I think I, I like the Warriors in six, like you. That loss to Houston the other night, um, they will not shoot that bad again, in my opinion. No. No, it's impossible. And uh, as we said, I think Iggy will be back. And the defense, you know, steps up that much more, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and when they're so talented, whenever they lose, like even if they're down, I don't know, eight with less than a minute, they're still, uh, I don't know if it's crossed over to cocky, but it's definitely confident that they could pull out, you know, a couple possessions and win the game by one, you know what I mean? They're just – so when they lose, they get that that extra edge. And I I almost feel sorry for the fans of Houston tomorrow in that stadium because I I just see them coming and coming as the best Warriors we've seen this season tomorrow. They're, they're going to come in – they are going to come in waves at Houston. Yeah. Um, they're gonna. It's gonna be interesting to watch. I know that. Um, it's been a series. It's like it. You know, last night was the first close game that we had with Houston and Golden State because every game's been a blowout one way or the other. Um, and it wasn't even that close. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't one of those. Well, I guess it was, but there are some lead changes. State, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it didn't feel close because. Golden State's last shot to win the game, it was close, but it's almost like when they didn't call timeout, it's almost like I knew. Uh, what a horrible look at the basket they got. Um, and a guy that really needs to have his uh, have his praises sung is P.J. Tucker. That dude on defense, is he is the key for the Houston Rockets. He and I thought it would be Clint Capella. But the first four games, P.J. Tucker's been the guy. If he steps up and plays well, the Houston Rockets – are tough because he is a defensive specialist. He can knock down open jump shots. He uh, he gets in and rebounds. He does all those little things that we talk about. And he's a guy that can pester. And he got under Golden State's skin last night. I could tell it. Uh, just a quick recap of that. P.J. Tucker finished at plus seven in the plus minus. He had <laughs> – this is absurd. You know how many rebounds he had? P.J. Tucker? I'm guessing it's a lot. 16 rebounds. <laughs> Clint Capella yeah. had 13. P.J. Tucker had 16 rebounds. You know how tall P.J. Tucker is? Not very tall. Six foot six. And he had yeah. 16. That, that's that's absurd. That is, that is absurd. And he went... He went 0 of 2 from 3, but, man, he had four offensive rebounds, which is huge. If you can get that many offensive rebounds out of one player, you're doing something right. Um, 
Harden actually finished minus five in the plus minus because his defense is so bad. But Tucker with a plus seven. Gerald Green played well, plus 14. Eric Gordon, plus eight. Uh, but 16 rebounds for a six foot six forward. Wow. And he played 44 minutes. He played more minutes than anybody. P.J. Tucker, he played more minutes than anybody on the court. What's that say? He played more minutes than Chris Paul, more minutes than James Harden, more minutes than Clint Capella, and nobody's singing this dude's praises. Come on. Dude played four well, minutes did. and showed up. Yes, I did. Send, here a, for the send a sound guy. bite. Send a sound bite to the Houston people and let, let us get him <laughs> on the airwaves at some point. Well, I mean, you know? and, and that's the problem with Golden State. Uh, they they like to play five wing. You know, they like to play two guards and, and three wings. Draymond Green's about six six. No wonder he's getting that rebounded out there. PJ Tucker's posting him up and taking him to school. Yeah, it's, it's and just, uh, he's only got four more technicals left to get kicked out of the playoffs. So he's got to halter his crazy one, ass, that Draymond. One can only hope. Piece of shit. Can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's batshit crazy. But on the Warriors. Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 Um, no, 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 no no call. Go ahead. uh, Durant, I mean, last night was uncharacteristic in the fourth quarter. I mean, some of his shots were just like clanking off the backboard, not even touching the rim. And that's a, uh, that's like a once in a season type game for him. Um, Yeah, you're not going to see that very often. I mean, he's beyond. He's behind LeBron because of you know when you take into consideration, you know all, all the other things LeBron does, like uh, facilitate and, and you know run down the full length of the court to make a block shot and so forth. That puts him above. But as far as a pure scorer, um, Durant is just sick. And I think I think they're tomorrow that all is going to gel. I think. I think they're going to play – if it plays out the way I predicted in, in Warriors and six, I think tomorrow will be a better game from the Warriors than even game six, the elimination game. I just think they're just really going to come out balls to the wall tomorrow. Um, and I uh, I don't know. I haven't been wrong yet in these uh, in these playoffs since the Sixers, so we'll see if I can keep it up. But I, that's that's what I see. You haven't, but you know what? It's Wednesday, and we haven't had it in a while. It's time for Bush League. That's right. Bush League is back for another week, and I'm I'm gonna get some music or something to play here because Bush League needs a nice, you know, like but up but da 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 or something like that. Some kind of upbeat music. You know what I mean? I'll get to work on yeah. that anyway. Bush League is back this week, where we go with three boneheaded plays or three boneheaded mistakes or anything like that from around. You know what? I'm not even going to limit it to around the league. I'm going to limit it to around the world because who knows who could make it on Bush League. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's start here with Bush League. Number one this week, the entire Houston Rockets team in game three of Bush League, they get embarrassed. TR Embar- Do you know what the the plus minus was from that game? Just well, a guess. Considering they lost by forty or forty one, was it? 
Yeah. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be 60-ish. <laughs> the Houston Rockets finished at minus, as a team, minus 205 against the Golden Jeez. State Warriors. Minus 205 in game three. Come on, Houston Rockets. That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? It really is. That was awful. All right. Our next Bush League nominee comes from the world of Tim Dombrova. The hockey world. I know nobody's listening to the show for hockey. However, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a 3-2 to two lead against the Washington Capitals, known choke artists, in the playoffs, and they blow it and lose 4-0 to zip on home ice tonight. Come on, Tampa Bay. I mean, that is Bush League. That is Bush League. And finally. Yeah, a real quick interruption. Um, Go ahead. Congratulations Go ahead. to Ovechkin, Alex Ovechkin, for finally making it to a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Congrats to him. Unfortunately, they had to go through the pins to do it, but you know what? Every blind squirrel finds a nut. So good job, Ovechkin. Um, and finally, TR saved this one for last for a reason. Bush League number three, Draymond Green, when he had a wide open dunk in Game Four, and he just. He got blocked by the rim. It was yep. fantastic in every way, shape, or form. The cockiest motherfucker on the court goes up to dunk the ball and clank. Which is worse, getting blocked by Kyle Korver or getting blocked by the rim? I'll take getting blocked by the rim for 500, Alex. Draymond Green, you asshole. That's Bush League. Ah. That's Bush League. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's Bush League for this week. And we appreciate you tuning in and hearing Bush League again. So, who knows when Bush League will pop back up. But those three right there make my Bush League three this week. Yeah, and uh, with Draymond's dunk, it was kind of like he he couldn't even really do his thing. Like, when, when nobody hits him, he always feels a foul. Um, yeah, and has to yell at the refs and put his hands up, and you know that was such a a bad play. You know they they bust each other's balls about dunks, and uh, you know he had to he had to catch some flack from his boys. You know after the, probably after he came calmed down because he's such a maniac. But uh, you know I think uh, whoever was doing the commentary, I forget which team does the West, Marv Albert and them, I believe. They were like, yeah, it's uh, Marvin, his, Marvin Reggie. His his back's gonna hurt. They're talking about because he was full extension <laughs> and, and and just couldn't even get it over the rim and stupid looking face and you know whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, a Warriors fan, but I'm not necessarily a Green fan. Do you feel like he's got a chip on his shoulder, Draymond? Do you feel like that? Uh, Do you feel like I don't know what he's, he's got? Drafted? He got drafted in the second round by the Warriors out of Michigan State. And he feel I think he feels like he's trying to prove everybody that he's better than a second round draft pick. But he just uh, happens to play with one of the most dynamic teams of all time when it comes to shooting. And they can move him to the five. 
I mean, he's yeah, not his, a bad his, player. He's his, not. He's his not a true, bad player. His true value, his true story will be played out after um, his current situation. You know, when you don't have Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson and uh, Steph Curry and, you know, recent addition Durant, et cetera. That's not that's not going to be there for the next twenty years. He's going to have to either stay with different personnel or leave at some point. That's when you'll see who Draymond Green really is, and uh, I don't think we it's will be watch his him best. fail. I think he's a I good player. Not be. He's a good role but player, but but I, he, you know. because because he's on the team, he's on. He gets all this publicity and all this hype and. Oh, Draymond Green, you know, he plays for the Warrior. Draymond Green, yeah, Draymond Green. You know about Draymond Green, right? If he played for Brooklyn or if he played for Atlanta or if he played for Orlando, you know who we'd be talking about for Draymond Green? We'd be talking about, I wonder what kind of bait Draymond Green is using to cast before he gets traded for the third time this season. He's out fishing right now because he sure as hell ain't in the playoffs. He ain't leading no teams to the playoffs. That's just me. Like he's a fourth option. I mean, he's a yeah. fourth option on a team with three of the greatest shooters I've ever seen, and you know the only reason he's the fourth option is because he's six foot six and can kind of shoot. If Zaza Pachulia had a jump shot, Draymond Green would not play, and that's a fact. Yeah, probably so. I mean that that's just my opinion, but you know what? It's my show, and your show, so that's this is our opinions. So, it's hard to root you know, for him. It is. It's it's hard to root for a it guy. Is. That's, uh, I mean, he was before before uh, you know this year he was kicking people in the crotch for Christ's sake. Yeah. I mean. I mean that was his deal. I understand. Like, I understand if you're a goon and you're trying to get in people's heads, that's one thing. But when you're kicking people in the balls, that's completely <laughs> different. And you're just an asshole. Like it's like a man thing that like you shouldn't do is hit people in the balls, you know. Yeah. We even tell hey, them that's not. You just brought up something that has nothing to do with anything, but kicking in the balls <laughs> spurred my brain about another, another player okay. uh, that's going to come into the NBA. At least he should be drafted in the first two rounds. And God, I oh boy. I wonder how I wonder how the league's going to accept one Grayson Allen when he comes in. I I knew you I knew you were going there. I knew it. Grayson That's Allen, be odd. wherever wherever he lands, uh, if he you know, some great college players have not you know panned out, and uh, but I mean his backward made Luke Luke yeah exactly. But he at least had a little career. Um, Luke Kennard came out and started for the Pistons at least a lot of the season this year and in my opinion uh, Allen was as good or better than him but as far as his uh, Draymond like strange uh, tripping and all that kind of stuff with his little baby face I mean there's no Charles Oakley's left in the league but you know there's some big dudes and I don't know the next guy that's gonna be (laughs) yeah that's going to be really That'll fun be the to next see guy where that, he... uh, The next guy Barkley wants to punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how – any word on how that uh, ended up after that was said and Draymond uh, responded and then they were in the same building today. Is it, I, I believe Barkley apologized. 
I believe Barkley apologized for saying that. Uh, you know what? Hold on. We'll go, we got about 15 minutes left, so we'll dive into this a little bit. Uh, see what he says. Uh, if it's anything like his golf, if his sw- punching is like his golf swing, son of a bitch. Uh, but uh, let's see if he if he apologized. I believe he did. So Charles Barkley. Oh God! Four days ago, apparently. Uh, three weeks after Charles Barkley Draymond Green's saga, during which he said he wanted to punch him in the face, uh, during the post-game coverage of Game Three, uh, Green's teammate Kevin Durant joined Barkley and the rest of the NBA inside crew. And a few minutes in the second, Barkley couldn't help but attempt to reignite it. He says, "Is Draymond as annoying in person as he is on television?" Durant said, "You should go talk to him. He's downstairs." Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and Kenny Smith said, uh, you talk to him like it's 1988, brother. It's not, man. You ain't the same Charles Barkley. Nobody's scared of you like that. (laughs) Green responded to Barkley after his initial comments, calling him old and telling him to shut up, and Barkley apologized the next night. Uh, So there you go. There's still a little bit. Still a little bit of tension there. Um, Barkley, you know, Barkley was a goon, and... He can't stand a goon like Draymond, so it's kind of like he dislikes himself a little bit because Barkley was a uh, Barkley was a mean player. I'm telling you. Yeah, he was, but he was also, you know, uh, I mean, if, if let's we can't do a time but, capsule when we hate comparative stuff of, of eras and whatever. But um, yeah. you put you put a Charles Barkley in, in between Durant. In his prime, in between Durant, um, Steph, and Clay Thompson, forget about it. Those guys ain't losing a game. You no, know? they're not. So um, Barkley was so he Barkley was, was six an elite talent. Barkley was six six. Barkley was six six and rebounded like PJ Tucker against the Warriors in Game Four. So that does anything. Barkley was a double double machine, and he was one of the smallest guys in court. He used his ass. You know that that's that's how he did what he did in the NBA. Barkley just used that ass and he backed it up and he made life miserable. He was a goon, but he's a number one option on a team back then. So uh, you can be a goon if you're a number one option, in my opinion. Well, if you look at if you look at the the TNT guys, um, Kenny Smith can still you know do a lot of things. He's kept himself in, in hoop shape. Um, Barkley has not. He. He was really overweight and then did the, the gimmick where you drop down a little bit. But if you look in his suit, he's got no arms. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, it's a he, big suit. He does <laughs> He does have a uh, uh, one of his homes here in Philadelphia. And he likes to drink a few. And uh, after the Eagles won, he was caught, on, or maybe it was Villanova, but I'm pretty sure it was the Eagles. He was caught on a... An interview, and you see a different demeanor in his face when he has a few in him. And I, you know, he—I don't want to rehash old stories, but he threw a fan through a window and so forth. So he was a pretty bad dude in his day. But when you sit there and you look at the table, and then it pans to Shaq, whose arms are bulging out of his suit. And, yeah. You know, they play—they play fight or whatever, and then Shaq will make the save and squash it by saying Charles Chuck's the big brother and I'm the little brother, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Shaq has, uh, either blown up or kept himself in the weight room because he's bulging out of those suits still to this day where 
where Barkley's kind of just filling out the arm part barely, you know. And uh, I, I understand Charles's frustration, and I understand, uh, you know, because that that that's a perfect statement of what comes to your mind at times when you're watching Draymond Green. God, I want to yeah. hit that guy, but and he's yeah, kind of. I mean, speaking, you really do. He, he's never had a filter, and he's kind of speaking the voice of the voiceless, so to speak. And it's, it's kind of hypothetical and rhetorical. It's not really legitimately. Uh, I mean, it is, it's your gut reaction. Like what an asshole when you watch Draymond Green, but, um, but yeah, Charles should chill a little bit on fighting with these young boys. He, uh, he might take the L if I, if I was betting on a street fight between crazy ass Draymond and Charles, I'd, I'd probably pick Draymond at this point in time. Man, I'd be rooting hard for Charles, though. Come on, Chuck. Put your right oh, in the face, too. Chuck. <laughs> Come on, Chuck. Knock him out. Use it. Hit say. him like you back at Auburn, Chuck. <laughs> K-Fabe, Chicken Shack. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, one thing that uh, I've noticed, and you brought Shaq up and how his arms are still massive, was there ever a more dominant center other than maybe Wilt Chamberlain than Shaquille O'Neal in the mid-'90s up until he left the Lakers? Jesus Christ, what a monster. <laughs> he couldn't do anything yeah, and, with the guy. Uh, maybe it's just because of uh, the life I've led and you know, different stages where I've been involved in family life and working overtime when I would, you know, before the advent of DVRs and such. So uh, I was going to make a bold statement, but maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe one of the most underappreciated players. Um, I don't know if that's worldwide or international thought, but to me is at least because, you know, I would see the championships with, with Kobe, but I wouldn't see all the games like I have the uh, good fortune of right now, like seeing how they play out each series. Yeah. And, you know, I'll go back and, see a YouTube of Shaq's greatest, whatever that clickbait is you see on on oh, yeah. Facebook or Twitter or something, and Shaq would just, man, oh, man, just uh, like a bull in a china shop. I hate to use that stupid um, statement, but he just, dominant is a great word, um, just unbelievably physical, not afraid to play that way against any other, and that was an era where there were some good big men. And oh yeah, you just throw him around. Yeah, like uh, yeah. well, and, and to to realize how good he was, you'd have to go back and watch him from Orlando when he played with you know Penny Hardaway and those guys, and he went to the finals, and they they did get swept by the Rockets. But man, when he was young and played at LSU, and he you know he wasn't yeah, he put on a little weight as he got in the league, which how can you not you know. Um, and he wasn't exactly the fastest guy, but man, his first few years in the NBA, there was nobody like that. Dude was seven foot tall, could jump out of the gym, just a brute force. Think Dwight Howard when he first came into the league, but more dominant. Um, yeah. It was insane. And watching him play and then winning the rings with Kobe and you know, that big comeback against the Trailblazers in that game seven that nobody saw coming. Uh, led to their first title, and 
man, we, we were blessed with some special basketball players back then, and Shaq was so dominant. And you're right, he doesn't get that praise. You know, everybody talks about how great LeBron is. And LeBron's great, don't get me wrong. And I don't like doing the comparisons of players from from now and, and then, but Shaq is underappreciated because I feel like if people made a top ten list, nobody would have him on it. And that's ridiculous. Because to me, Shaq's a that's top where, ten player of all time. That's where I was going. I mean, names always pop up. Uh, the two specifically right now are Jordan and uh, LeBron, but – I mean, Kobe gets his props, Tim Duncan gets props, uh, et cetera. And, you know, yeah. even, you know, they'll throw the Will Chamberlain in, which is deservedly so for his era, you know, et cetera. But, but, you know, uh, Shaq is rarely, if ever, mentioned in that, in that elite group. And, and he damn well should be. Four rings. And, uh, you know, he's had several MVPs, right? Oh yeah. I mean Shaq, um I think he I think the main reason that he doesn't get the praise he get he should is because Shaq was a traditional big man type at a time when the league was starting to change to a more guard oriented league. Like you look at your Iversons came along and of course Shaq played with Kobe, who's one of the greatest ever and he played during the era with Michael, and you had all these guards that everyone was talking about. And everybody was like, well, you know, Shaq's going to get his. And, and I think I think he stayed too long in the league. Um, I think if he would have retired after that run in Miami, people would have been like, okay, we, you know, one of the best ever. But he tried to play in Cleveland. He played in Boston. He played in Phoenix. It just It never really worked in those other places. And I think people kind of, if you stay too long, you're kind of remembered for that. And I think Shaq's one of those guys that, that stayed. Yeah. He hurt his own legacy by staying too long. Um, yeah, but, uh, still, I mean, the dude was go back and watch him. If you're listening, go back and watch him in Orlando from like 95. You're not going to find a more dominant player than that. You know, and, and I think if that Rockets team hadn't have been what they were, you know, they had a Keen, they had um, Clyde Drexler and Robert Ory and Sam Cassell and all these guys. If they hadn't have been that team, that Magic team, they were there for a reason. They were good. They were damn good. <laughs> they were monsters. Um, yeah, another guy that was brought up this week, uh, I believe it was on Fox Sports, was uh... – Iverson, because of his uh, playoff scoring, uh, you know, compared to LeBron. And, uh, you know, I had the pleasure of seeing him live and all that kind of good stuff. And yeah. What a tough player he was as well. He's never, he ever mentioned. He's never mentioned it. I mean, if you if you just randomly ask people top 20, he won't even crack that. But, I mean, if you go back and watch him and – Look at his numbers, and if you've seen him live, as as one who I forget who put it this way, I, I think it was like maybe a Kenyon Martin or something. Somebody like that was yeah, Kenyon Martin. Um, he said, "You don't understand. That dude was little." He goes, "I gave him a shot, knocked him on his ass, and the dude says I like that, and punched me in the chest, and just kept running around." He said, "The dude never stopped." And, uh, you know, I, I noticed that when I used to see him live, you know, I used to watch the other things. If he, 
give the ball to somebody else, first thing he'd do, and it was probably Larry Brown, you know, and John Thompson led as a move without the ball. He'd find his way to getting open for that, you know, return pass or pull up or take somebody to hoop and, you know, underappreciated. I guess that's our, our ending theme tonight is underappreciated Shaq, AI, et cetera. Well, there's a lot of guys that we could look at as being underappreciated for their contributions to the game. Um, you know, we could go on and on, but you always hear about, you know, Oscar Robertson was one of the great. And, and don't get me wrong, the guys that we're, we're naming off, like, you know, your Michaels, LeBrons, Kobe's, you know, all those guys, they deserve the praise they get. But there's some guys that nobody ever mentions, um, you know, Shaq being one, Allen Iverson, probably the greatest crossover you will ever see. Like he, he makes yep. me fall, and I'm just watching him. It was just sick what he could do with a basketball. And another guy, for about one or two years, there was a guy that played in the NBA um, who may have been the best player in the world for that one or two years. And people are probably going to disagree with me on this, but, man, Tracy McGrady was so good when he was in yeah, his prime. Was. Oh, my God. If, if you ever want to see how good McGrady was, go back and watch the uh, the Rockets rally from being down, I think it was 12 or something like that, against the Spurs. He's, the man scored 13 points in like a minute and a half. And just, yeah. just ridiculous. Ridiculous! He was so good, and that's a guy nobody talks about. How good he was! Now, granted, his greatness was, you know, his best player in the world wasn't over like multiple years. Like it was about a season and a half of Tracy McGrady was the best, and I don't those years. I don't think Kobe could touch him. He was great when he played in Houston. Unfortunately, injuries struck. You know, that's the thing. They they had the mainstays like the Kobe Bryant's and and so forth that they played alongside. But they did have their year or two. Those those type of guys were. And the thing that hurts that rock, and the thing that hurts that Rockets team was they never got to an NBA Finals. That that hurt them. They they had McGrady. They had Yao Ming. They were poised to make that run, and they just never got there. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough tough to look back and there's a lot of players we could sit here and go and talk forever but uh it's about that time to it's been a couple hours already you got something you want to throw in before we finish up yeah uh, real quick it, it was since we're reminiscing it was uh it wasn't an argument per se but our friend thomas bain who joined us for the nfl draft show um yeah i i had been talking online with uh, our friend scott roberts out there because they have the number one pick and I, I just don't like Aiton. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a flop, but I, I don't think he's going to be a game changer. And um, I dubbed him as uh, Dwight Howard light or a poor man's Dwight Howard, that type of thing. And Thomas took offense to that, not because he's a big Aiton fan either, but he, he was a Dwight Howard fan. And what I explained in, in my, even in before Thomas jumped into the conversation, I explained that uh, I liked Dwight for about five years where I thought he was a special player. But then, in my opinion, he was an underachiever. And he finished his career with 17 and 12 and no MVPs and no championships. 
and uh, he his I think his response was, "How's that a knock on Aiton if he's if he's a poor man's Dwight Howard?" And I said, "Well, seventeen and twelve with what I explained, you know, no championships, et cetera." I always thought he was an under, underachiever. Let's say Aiton gets fifteen and ten in his career, is that worth a number one overall? And then, of course, he agreed that he's not a big Aiton fan either. But what are your thoughts on Dwight Howard as a, a whole career? He he thought he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, no, not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, we'll, we'll go a little long on this because I, I really do have some thoughts on Dwight Howard. Um, Dwight Howard is still a decent player. Now, I say that as a guy who went to a Charlotte Hornets game where Dwight Howard plays um, and watched him play against Minnesota, and son of a bitch, did he go to work 20-20 and 20 game and looked like Dwight Howard of old. He's still a brute. He can still bag in, but you're right, he underachieves. Um, when Dwight Howard was in Orlando, Dwight Howard was the best center in the league, and that Orlando Magic team was scary. They had Jameer Nelson. They had Hito Turgaloo. Uh, Aaron Aflalo, I believe, was there at the time. Um, they had uh, more, uh, an underrated player in Rashad Lewis, and they had Dwight Howard. Martin Gortat was young and playing there. They, they had a team that was built, and, man, were they good. But Dwight Howard, when he left uh, Orlando, he ended up in, uh, I believe he went to L.A. first, and everyone thought, okay, or did he go to Houston first? I think he went to Houston. I think Houston first. Okay, he went to Houston, and he, he didn't play well there. He had a couple of injuries. Um, he played decent there, but not great. And then he went to L.A. and just drastically underachieved there. And that team with Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, um, they didn't make it far. They made it to That's the um, – They Yeah, they were the eighth seed that year. Can you believe that? They snuck yeah, into the playoffs. I mean, it's a chemistry issue, I guess, and, and I don't know. But Well, Dwight, Dwight was hurt most of the season. Steve Nash wasn't the Steve Nash of old. Uh, Kobe uh, is a ball-dominant guard, and Nash is a, is a facilitator. It, it just didn't work. The personnel didn't fit. I believe Pau Gasol was still there. It, it didn't work out, and there was bad blood from the attempted Chris Paul trade and – there's a lot of stuff there that we can't that, that would we'd be here in a whole other show trying to get into. Um, then Dwight goes to after L.A. I'm trying to remember where he went after that. Did he go to Atlanta after that? He yeah, he was in Atlanta, Atlanta for a little while. He was in Atlanta, and then he's now in Charlotte. And he's if you can just take snapshots of Dwight Howard's career, you just see a. Just a guy go from the most dominant big man in the league to a guy that plays on a team now that's just middle of the road. They're not good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to really do well in the lottery. And Dwight Howard is just getting paid. It's almost like he's accepted the fact that he's never going to be that guy again. And maybe injuries has a lot to do with it because I know he's got a bad back and he's just not – He's just not the Dwight Howard of old. That that because if you saw Dwight Howard line up, you knew your ass was getting blocked and dunked on that night when he played in Orlando. Uh, I don't know. I just he's to me he's not a Hall of Fame player. 
Because um, yeah, a lot of people are arguing. I, I, I think Go ahead. Well, I want to hear well, it. What you think, a lot of people are uh, A lot of people said that uh, Robert Ory wasn't a Hall of Fame player a while back. And I said, man, I would put Robert Ory in the Hall of Fame. The dude won rings everywhere. He won them in Houston. He won them in San Antonio. He won them in L.A. And he was a big contributor. And if you needed a guy to knock down a big shot, you called on big shot Bob, Robert Ory. That shot, I'll never forget the shot he hit against the Sacramento Kings. Um, the Lakers were down 2-1 in the Western Conference Finals. And Kobe went in to shoot a shot, missed it. Shaq missed the putback. Vladi Divac kicks it out side. Or he gets it shot, at the top of the key, nails it. And to me, that shot was all the difference between Sacramento going to the finals that year and L.A. getting back. Because if Sacramento, if Ori misses that shot, the series is 3-1 Sacramento heading back to Sacramento. And yeah. he made it, tied the series up, the rest is history. So... I would put Robert Ory in over Dwight Howard. And people are telling me Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. No way. No way. You got to look at complete body of work. If you're dominant uh, for three years, that's not enough. You got to be dominant longer than that. I'm not sure if I would necessarily put Horry in, Ory, whichever way you want to say it. Uh, I'd put him in Dwight Howard. I would, I, I mean, but, I would put him in over Dwight Howard. I'm not saying he deserves to be in, but I would put him in over Howard. But that, that, in, in that case of such a clutch player everywhere, like you know, if you want to get over the hump, sign sign Robert Ory. Um, you know, it's you could have your big twos and big threes like you do these days. You put that fucking guy on your team, you're winning because you don't even have to. Isolate hard. I mean, let's say the Rockets had him right now. You know, you don't even have to play ISO with with James Harden. You can kick Tory, and that that bastard will make the shot. Um, yeah. So there there should be like a special wing or asterisk or something for for like a playoff Hall of Famer or something. I don't know how you would explain <laughs> him. You know, he was just you he just turned into like the up. guy. Instead of the Hall of Fame, just call it the best of the rest and put Ori in there. You know, not good yeah. enough for the Hall of Fame, but man, oh man, when that dude was on, he was on. And when it came playoff time, nobody showed up better than Big Shot Bob, one of the yeah, most clutch man. players ever. But yeah, you know what? It's <laughs> we've been reminiscing now for a little while, and we hope you guys have enjoyed us going back a little bit. I know. Uh, we don't do that very often, TR. Actually, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, hey, maybe we should uh, keep doing it. Uh, go back in yeah, time a little preserve, bit here and there. Preserve basketball history and maybe even get some old old retired guests. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'd love to do that. It's just it's really hard to get anybody that's played in the NBA. It's, they're a tough get. Uh, but, you know, what? We'll, we'll look into it. We'll see what we can do. Um, but thank you guys for listening out there. This has been episode 29 of Wide Men Can't Jump. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, uh, FM Flash, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise. We're on all Pro Nations podcast list. Go over there, check us out. Um, anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts, we're there. 
Check us out on Twitter at Wide Jump. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. We're on Instagram, instagram.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh, follow TR. He's at TR Shock. I'm at MMITM Nathan. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow. If you like us on iTunes, subscribe. Subscribe anywhere. Uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps us out. Really makes the show look good. So go ahead, like us, leave a review, comment. Um, share the show with your friends, please. Um, that's something we haven't asked for before, but we want to do that now. Share it with somebody. If you got a basketball fan in your life, hey, check out Wide Men Can't Jump. You may like the show. They talk about anything and everything basketball, so check it out. Um, Wide Men Podcasting Network, keep in touch with us. The Tim and Tom Show, I believe, will be tomorrow or the next day. Um, Tim will be back next week with Wide Men Can't Score since the holiday's over. Uh, Sunday night roundtable, Sunday night. Uh, look for us then. Um, check out all the shows. Go back on our back catalog. Check out anything and everything that we that we put out because we have content for everybody. Tr, go ahead. What'd you have? I was just going to add. By the summer, uh, we will have a set schedule of. Uh, we'll basically cover every damn thing there is imaginable and. You know, we'll even we'll even start with the uh, NFL um, by summertime and have have your day of of NFL with us as well. So, a lot coming yeah. around the corner. NFL and maybe I'll even get a little fantasy football out there for you. I love fantasy football, so I can talk a little bit about that. But um, we'll see about that, and we'll have something out there eventually. Thank our sponsors, Law Office of Stephen P. New. It's newlawoffice.com. Wowfreecam.com. Makeup by Kennedy. Facebook.com slash Makeup Kennedy. Big thanks to Down and Round 3 for Something in the Water, our introduction song off their EP Sidelines. available now on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you find music. TR, you got anything you want to play before we get out of here, brother? I just want to say again, at YJump uh, on Twitter, and uh, at TR Shock as your secondary choice. I have enough Facebook friends, too many nuts with fake profiles, so stay away from my fucking Facebook. Uh, Instagram, Mary Tom Leo. I didn't even know how I joined it, but that was uh, my Hotmail address from like 1901. So Mary Tom Leo on Instagram, and uh, you know, just basically go to Twitter. Just go to Twitter, goddammit. Do what the man says. All right, I'm Nate. This has been Wide Men Can't Jump. TR, send us home, man. Peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.